0: What a difference between last Sunday and this Sunday. Last Sunday, for those of you who were here, you will remember that the story that was selected for the gospel reading was horrific. Um, The editors of the common lectionary had chosen the story of Herod the Tetrarch and John the Baptist. And the low light of that story was the beheading of John and that severed head being brought to, um, being brought to John, uh, Herod on a silver platter. That graphic image proved too much for me. Uh, I couldn't push myself to read that part of the, the, the stories to uh, the kids and so I skipped over that entirely when I did the, the first readings, and I didn't read that story until it was just us adults. In contrast, the story for this Sunday is wonderful for everybody of all ages. In this morning story, we hear and essentially see Jesus reveal who he is and what his purpose is, as well we therefore hear and see what our purpose is and what it means for us to be Christians. In this morning's story, Jesus brings light and love into the world, and Jesus calls us to follow him into this work. As Matthew tells uh, this part of Jesus's story, he is not shy at all about his own understanding of who Jesus is he sets up things by pointing out uh, Jesus's recent itinerary um, after the the arrest of John. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. And uh, he writes that... Um, this is the, the directions that he, that he followed, uh, the course he took after John's arrest. For us, unless we've actually visited the, the Holy Land, um, these don't seem particularly interesting. But Matthew sees tremendous significance in this specific movement to these specific places. As he, he writes, this happened to fulfill What was said through the prophet Isaiah, what we had written and read, or what we had read uh, from the Hebrew First Testament reading. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. And he goes on. Matthew knew his Bible really well. His Bible amounted to what we call our Old Testament, but for him was just the Bible, the Hebrew Uh, First Testament. Matthew knew his, his Bible well, and he remembers these scriptures from when the prophet Isaiah was speaking to Israel about when they had gone into exile and what would happen. For Isaiah, these words were written about a new king, Hezekiah, And they were written about Israel's return to the promised land because of um, God's work. So for Isaiah and the Israelites, this prophecy had been fulfilled centuries before Jesus was even born. Matthew knows that story. Matthew knows that that already happened and up until now, that had been considered the fulfillment of that vision. But Matthew believes that Jesus has filled out this vision in an even greater way than Isaiah could have foreseen. Dale Bruner helped me understand what Matthew is doing here. He uses a funny word. Uh, he says, fillment, instead of ful- fulfillment. He says, the fillment of Isaiah 9, if we may put it this way, happened at the end of the exile. But for Matthew, the fulfillment of Isaiah's old word occurred when the real light personally came to live in Galilee. Every Old, text, old Testament text, Bruner continues, has its partial fulfillment in its immediate historical context. It has its fulfillment in the history of the Messiah, the deeper context of every Old Testament text. This was the way that Matthew read his Bible, which, was, which is what we call the Old Testament. When Matthew ran across this text in Isaiah, mentioning the blessing of despised Galilee, he was sure that what that text really meant was Jesus. Matthew believes that Jesus is the great light that has come into the people living in darkness, the great light that the people living in darkness have now seen. Matthew believes that Jesus is the light that has dawned on those living in the land of the shadow of death. And a big part of the reason that Matthew believes Jesus is, in, uh, is the light in the darkness of this world is because of what we read about at the end of this particular story in the gospel, which is something that Matthew wist- witnessed firsthand. Verse 24, news about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, Those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. He healed all of them. This very tangible healing of human beings is vitally important to our understanding of Jesus' purpose this is a profoundly significant way in which Jesus brought the light into the darkness of the world. And note the breadth of diseases and dis-ease that Jesus healed. Again, suf- those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. Matthew Henry is a seventeenth century, was a seventeenth century uh, Welsh pastor who commented on the breadth of what Jesus is healing here. He uses some archaic language, but he gets at the main point. He notes that there are three diseases named here. The palsy, which is a little archaic, yes. The palsy, which is the greatest weakness of the body. Lunacy, which is the greatest malady of the mind. And possession of the devil, which is the greatest misery and calamity of the Spirit. And yet Christ healed all. Dale Bruner adds, in a more general way, Jesus heals anyone in torment. We don't learn here how Jesus heals or even why. We hear only that he heals all. In verse 23 We also read that Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. Jesus was trying to reveal the truth about the nature and the character of God and how human beings ought therefore to live in relationship with God. So I like William Barclay's summary of all this together. Jesus came to tell the truth about God, to tell them that which by themselves they could never have found out. He came to put an end to the guessing and the groping, and to show men and women what God is like. In addition, he was not satisfied simply telling people the truth in words, he came to turn the truth into deeds. And that's why in this morning's story, through both Matthew's words and Jesus's actions, we see that Jesus brought into the darkness of our world both light that heals our souls and love that heals our bodies. We also see in this story that to be a disciple of Jesus means to follow him into this work. Two times in this story, Jesus calls out to two different sets of brothers and to bring them into what he is doing. The first time we hear the actual words of the call in verses 18 uh, and 19, as Jesus was walking along the sea, he first sees Simon uh, Simon and Andrew, they're casting nets into the lake, and he says, come, follow me. The second time we read only that he called to another set of brothers, but we can infer with that he, he used a similar call. Jesus calls them to follow him, and they do. This is what it means, in essence, to be a Christian. We follow Christ. And that's exactly why what happens immediately after those calls to discipleship is crucial for us to really take note of. In verse 22, Jesus finishes calling the the second set of brothers, the Zebedees, to follow him. And then in verse 23, we read, Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news, and healing every disease and sickness among them. This, therefore, is what we are called to do as disciples, as followers of Jesus. Jesus calls all disciples to follow him into that same work. And this is where the evangelical branch of Christianity has lost track of a fundamental aspect of what it means to be Christian. The evangelical focus of which was the context, I became a Christian, is almost solely on an individual person's personal relationship with God through Jesus. And the primary goal, therefore, is essentially getting into heaven, making sure that your soul gets into heaven for eternity. This is extremely misguided. This morning's story reveals the true substance of evangelism, which means to to share the good news, which is Jesus has brought the kingdom of God to earth. This is good news for all people because God and the kingdom are about light coming into the darkness and love coming and healing. This is especially good news for those who have lived in the most darkness, or who have been most deprived of love. And the major sign that the kingdom is growing is the healing that comes from the presence of God. The healing of all sorts, and especially for those who have been the last, the least, or the lost. This is such an important truth that I want to add an affirmation of this from a more authoritative voice than mine. Again, Dale Bruner, a scholar, professor, writer of commentaries, he he puts it this way. Jesus calls four men in this story, Jesus calls four men not to an experience of personal salvation, but to a school. Jesus does not say, Follow me, and I will save your souls. There may be a place for speech of this kind, he writes, but it is not the speech Jesus uses in this, his first and model evangelical call. Jesus calls four men to school, and even in this school, his promise is not their salvation, but the salvation of others. Jesus promises help through disciples to others, not, first of all, bliss for disciples. And Bruner closes this. His call is full of social and not merely individual significance. It is the promise of reaching outside ourselves to others. And I think that we, most of us here at Queen Anne Presbyterian, uh, have learned that this reaching outside of ourselves to others is much more rewarding anyway. I mean, whether it's providing meals and community to senior citizens or shut-ins or elementary schoolers, or providing shelter and meals and hygiene care for those who are without homes. Those are the types of actions that bring a sense of truly walking in the path of Christ Jesus brings into this world light that overcomes the darkness and love that heals all and Jesus gives us the joy of calling us to follow him into this same work thanks be to God